Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. Uh, for those of you who have listened before, it's been a while and you already know the drill, but uh, it could possibly be somebody's first listen. Uh, so just as a refresher, this podcast I generally have a guest on and we talk about five pieces of music of their choosing. It can be an LP, it can be an EP, it can be a song, it doesn't really matter as long as we're talking about music. The guest on this episode is Rich Miles. Rich is the former bass player for Constantine Sakathy and is currently one of the co-hosts of the Nothing Better to Do podcast as well as I'm Not Actually a Gas Station Attendant podcast. That's a mouthful. Uh, nothing Better to Do, uh, he has guests on and they, you know, generally of the hardcore punk milieu and they talk about music and uh, their bands and their activities. Uh, the I'm Not Actually Gas Station Attendant uh, podcast is sort of a, I guess you could call it a uh, oral history of his time in uh, the hardcore scene uh, as a member of Constantine Sakathy and, uh, you know, the DIY scene at large uh, during the 90s. It's a pretty, it's a pretty fun podcast. There's some uh, really fun stories on there and they really uh, pull no punches. They kind of... Um, are pretty open and honest about who they were as people at the time, and it's it's a really interesting listen. Anyway, uh, I got to know Rich through our interactions online, and uh, we became fast friends, uh, sort of uh, commiserating over, you know, music, and, uh, you know, I just thought he'd be a great guest to have on. As usual, this interview is in two parts. This is part one. When you're all done here, you can go check out part two. That's up now and ready to go. How long have you been in Louisville? 13 years now. And you came from Chicago prior to that? No. So, okay. So I grew up in Michigan, but moved around a little bit because my dad was briefly in the military while I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so I lived in, I but most of my early life up until I, I was up until I was like in my early twenties was spent in Southwest Michigan. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Chicago and then I moved to DC. I lived in DC for seven years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I ended up here. So were, were you already kind of uh, entrenched in music by the time you got to DC? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. Well, I, I, was, mean, I, I didn't know how old you were when you, when you Oh were yeah. No, I was in my twenties. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so was that like a big deal for you or was it just like, uh, when moving to DC? Yeah. I mean, cause one would yeah. think, I mean, I, I don't know what the truth of the matter is, but one would think that some people go, well, I've known a lot of people move away from Ohio, mm -hmm. Akron, Cleveland, whatever. Yeah. To go to these other towns because there's a scene. Mm -hmm. you know? And I always, my, my, my biggest complaint was always just that. Well, it's not the scene here that sucks. It's that you don't want to do anything. Yeah. You know, um, and, and I'm not saying that that's your case, but I'm just saying mm -hmm. everybody goes to these other scenes and, and they're either really super excited to be there or they're disappointed mm -hmm. once they get, get there. I mean, what was the input? Why, why mm -hmm. did you go to DC of all places? Yeah. Well, with the exception of Chicago, all of it was going for a girl, you know, okay. that, yeah, I was going because I met a girl and, you know, that kind of shit. But I mean, as far as DC went, I was, I was excited to live there for a couple of different reasons on the East coast. 
it was if I was to get in a band, it was a lot easier to do shows because, you know, it's yeah. like within eight hours you have Richmond, you have, um, you know, Philly, Baltimore, New York City, Boston, like all of that within eight hours. So yeah. um, that was cool. Um, and I thought there'd be more people that were into things I was into. I guess there kind of was, but truthfully, like as far as a like capital hard, you know, H hardcore scene, like in DC that it existed, but it was pretty small by the time I got there. Like it wasn't, yeah. And like, that's the thing. A lot of people, they're just, they really liked and they liked discord. And I guess for mo the most part, they all kind of, progressed with whatever discord was doing so it was yeah. like i don't know it was it was fine i i mean i lived there for seven years so it wasn't a a bad place to be but um i i guess i was kind of more excited like living somewhere where there was all this history around me that like was stuff that was not only of a huge interest to me but also shaped my life, you know, in, okay. in a major way. So like getting to actually see not only like the, like the house, the, the discord house that the salad days was, uh, you know, had that picture was taken at, but also the house, the address, the Beecher street address in DC, because the, the, um, the house on salad days is, is the discord house, but it's in Arlington which yeah so but um yeah it was cool i mean it was i got to see a lot of shows and at the time there was a lot of really cool bands going on so like i don't know i saw i probably saw american nightmare i want to say at least 10 times probably more wow. tear it up i saw a ton um yeah it was it was cool uh just because there was it was so easy to travel to other places and i did end up doing bands and then you know we played shows but you know, nothing ever really happened with the band, so it's yeah. it's all good. But like, so, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because honestly, this is a huge blind spot for me, and mm -hmm. I don't I don't know why, because this is <clears throat> a band that's really super popular with my friends. But Verbal mm -hmm. Assault is from Virginia, correct? <laughs>
No, they're from Rhode Island. But uh, Pete, the guitarist, lived... I, I don't know if he lived there when I lived there because I didn't run into a lot of the old heads because I had, you know, no reason to. I didn't do much social stuff outside of shows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't like I was going to run into any of those people. But uh, Pete moved to D.C. and ended up in that band rain like the sound of trains okay i know the name yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. so wrote I, from providence mm -hmm. the only other band i know from providence is drop dead think about that for a second yeah i mean i'm sure there's plenty of bands i mean i know oh yeah, yeah i know but... i know drop dead now verbal assault and uh hp lovecraft that's it that's all i know about providence that that band verse i don't know if you remember them from their early aughts mm -mm. like they were pretty popular for a period of time but they were from rhode island as well i, I think they were from yeah they were from rhode island I want to dive into verbal assault for a second, but one sure. thing, one thing I wanted to point out, not even point out one thing I, that came to mind mm -hmm. is that, you know, in the early aughts and late nineties, um, when, I, when I'm playing in a hardcore band, mm -hmm. when I'm actively playing in a band, sure. I, I tend to listen to less hardcore. Mm. Um, you know, like there'll be some standout bands that I really enjoy quite a bit, you know, it, at, during that time but i almost always need to listen to something else because i just get i need that palate cleanser because i'll spend like several hours at practice and you know that sort of thing and it's really mm -hmm. it's, it's it's too it's too much it's too much it's too grating yeah. you know I particularly when i'm when i'm trying when you're writing and you're overthinking stuff the last thing you want to mm -hmm. hear is here another band and you're like oh my god did i just fucking steal that and which, <laughs> which you probably did and you should yeah. have a whole lot of hang-ups about it because if you're playing it right it's gonna sound not exactly the same it's gonna sound familiar you know yeah. i mean th there's a certain thing with it but anyway um so when you brought up that band verse early thousand 2000s i'm like yeah mm -hmm. I, I don't know who that is because <laughs> yeah yeah they i mean I liked their first LP, but it wasn't like it, it's nothing that I've, I haven't listened to it in probably 15 years. Yeah. So it's like, but I think for me, like when I'm doing bands, I'm more likely to check new stuff out simply because I think I feel like I'm more part of a community. So, mm -hmm. but with that said, I don't, yeah. Like there was a period in time when I moved to Louisville um, for probably about five years 
where I was far more interested in what was coming out on like Nuclear War Now and and like Twenty Bucks Spin and Hell's Headbangers right. than I was on like any like obviously I stayed with all the classics and occasionally some new band would come through that would catch my attention but like at that point in my life I was so burnt out and tired of it. I was listening to way more metal than I was anything else. Yeah, I mean, when when my activity was at its height, which mm-hmm. is pre two thousand six, I mean, I, I'm still active and I still do stuff. But like when I was really kind of more involved, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't that I didn't listen to hardcore bands, but like I said, it was just there were certain ones that that would stick out. Yeah, and those would be the ones I listened to. So like that thrash core era that occurred during that time. Mm-hmm. Is largely lost on me there was a lot of it that wasn't very good or it was just like it was one of those things where what happens next in life's halt did something and everybody else tried to do it and yeah. i think they got the look down <laughs> well <laughs> that's I mean, about it i'm thinking more broadly like you know a lot of the fast hardcore from that mm-hmm. period like oh yeah lost on me i mean one of the standouts to me mm-hmm. you know a lot of people looked at tear it up Mm-hmm. and they're fine i like them mm-hmm. but i'm more looking at down in flames you know like that's mm-hmm. like i love those guys and you know there were a couple other bands that were on gloom that i really enjoyed and other bands here and there but i think another part of it was that where where i'm at in akron mm-hmm. you know at, at that time there were no other hardcore bands i mean there yeah. were there were maybe two more Con- I always Concordia discourse, and they mm-hmm. were more of a a noisy. It was like if you mixed the locust with void, mm. like That's just interesting, yeah, d- just more about making obnoxious sounds than it was anything. <laughs> were they were they along the lines of bands like uh fuck what was that band called from the early aughts? Um, like, uh, let me put it this way. I mean, I might have mm-hmm. even given a bad reference. I know that the guys in the band loved two bands, Converge and Page 99. Oh, okay. Mm. Very so, of the time, yeah. Yeah, but they had <laughs> they had personality. They were a little bit smarter, and they felt more punk rock. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they felt more... It was there's just an authenticity to it that I didn't get from like a lot of people who followed page ninety nine mm-hmm. necessarily. And well, the, the only yeah. other band was uh, Dexter Chumley Attack, and that had one of our members in it. So I think I remember vaguely remember Dexter Chumley Attack. The only like I always kind of like Don Austin. All I like I just thought of all those bands like Akron to me might as well have been Cleveland. Like it it felt like. To me, as someone who'd never really spent any time in in Northeast Ohio, like yeah, or it, you know, it, it, and that's I thought it was the same thing. That's much. that's that's one hundred percent fair, you know. But because I don't expect people to know the ins and outs of this fucking region, but mm-hmm. I can assure you, it was two separate things. Oh yeah, well, because it, 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 yeah. it, you know, the I mean, and now that's not the that's not the poo poo on Cleveland because you know mm-hmm. clearly we have friends up there and people we love and enjoy but it was very much two different places i mean particularly Mm -hmm. you know because there were two uh clubs down here that were putting on like great shows and you know 
the speak in tongues era had, had kind of pretty much was ending and at least in the late nineties, early two thousands. And it just wasn't, it wasn't what it was in the early to mid nineties, you know, the Cleveland Akron thing. Like, yeah. And, and actually if I'm, if I'm really thinking about it, the, the schism began. And I don't mean schism necessarily in a negative way, but the real mm-hmm. schism began probably about 90, 91, mm-hmm. you know, because some of the kids down here were just tired of going up to Cleveland and dealing with egos. So, yeah, that was kind of a thing that happened with between DC and Baltimore. By the time I was there, those two scenes were for the stuff I was into. They they had to work together because, yeah, yeah their Baltimore had better steady venues than DC ever had. So there mm-hmm. was that. But like, yeah, um, what was I going to say? Oh, real quick, just kind of circling back on the Gloom Records thing. Did you like that Close Call 7-inch on Gloom? It was okay. I liked it. I mean, I think I, that was like my favorite thing. I liked them. Gloom. I liked them much better live. We played with them. Oh, yeah, they were really good. And live, they, were sure. fa- they were fantastic. But <clears throat> as far as the listen goes, um, it wasn't – it was definitely wasn't a go-to. There was nothing wrong mm-hmm. with it, but it just it just – it missed me. You know, and that has more to do with my picadillos or anything than mm-hmm. anything as far as quality goes. I, I live, they were fucking fun. They were great. And well, this, what I mean by fun, I don't mean funny, but if mm-hmm. a band is good, it's fun. So, you know. Well, and those mass bands always brought their like friends with them, so it was always like it was almost as much of a show to see what their fr- what kind of stupid shit their friends would do yeah. while they played. So, but I, I I think that they channeled beyond in a way that I don't think really hardly any bands ever have, and that's what really I liked th- about Close Call. I've never really thought about that. I should probably go back and revisit it because now that you've put it in the context of Beyond, mm-hmm. maybe maybe what I needed was a hook into it to make me pay mm-hmm. attention to the record more. But like I said, live, it was, it was great. Mm-hmm. We played with them. I think it was at uh, the Berwick Institute, which is in Roxbury. Yes. Yes. The basement that yes. had wigs. Yes. Yeah, and you had to wear masks because there was dust all over the floor. It was gnarly. Yeah. I went, uh, one of my bands played a show there with close call in the A team. And, um, there was this band that was kind of legendary in that area called Down But Not Out. I don't know if you ever heard them. No. Um, but they, yeah, they only did a demo. But, like, they did Cro-Mags in a way that I don't think any bands outside of the Cro-Mags really ever did Cro-Mags. Yeah, I, I don't know that – I can't think of any bands off the top of my head that really were able to replicate anything the Cro-Mags mm-hmm. did. No. I will say that – you know, a lot of people cite Slayer when they're talking about integrity, but I hear more Cro-Mags in some of those riffs than I do, like particularly on Those Who Fear Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't like. I don't really hear the Slayer, honestly. That's a lot of people have been saying that. I'm like, are you listening to that song Die Hard? That's a Cro-Mag song. I mean, integrity, like, I don't, when I think of Slayer, I think of Slayer riffs. So there's right. like, kind of, you know, you know what, I mean, anyone who's listened to Slayer knows what those riffs sound like. And, I think, I think when people yeah. say that sometimes about any band, I think when they say, oh, it's very Slayer-like, I think it's just shorthand for, I, I, I'm not creative enough to think of another cool metal band to compare somebody to. Yeah, you know, and I don't they, probably listen to that much metal. Exactly. Exactly. So well, I we've mean, gone, we've gone far afield from verbal assault. Tell me about the first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is this is why I end up doing those mini episodes because sometimes mm-hmm. we just get to talk and then it takes me forever yeah. to edit stuff. Mm-hmm. But when did you first hear that record? Uh, shortly after, probably around the same time I started going to shows in late '91. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky; I didn't have a ton of money growing up, so I had records, but I didn't have much of a collection but my two best friends that i went to high school with like had single moms who to one degree or another spoiled them so they had like my best friend who's now my brother-in-law he his mom would give him she they they lived with his grandparents and she was a nurse but i don't think she really paid any bills so like 
he would be like, oh, mom, I'm going to go out skating and then go rep record shopping. Can you give me some money? And she would like give him 50 or sometimes a hundred dollars, which in, you know, think of that 91 That's for a, a like 16 year old kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, uh, I think the thing like verbal assault and Swizz kind of occupy the same space for me where it's like this to me, a perfect meshing of like the more melodic, like introspective DC stuff while still having like really cool, like kind of metallic riffs. Mm-hmm. Although uh, with Swizz, I guess it's more just dirty rock and roll, but like I always just think of the chug parts and I had a, you know, when you're 16, you can reference that to band, you know, to speed metal or whatever. So, yeah. Right. Well, it's funny because, um, like I said, I don't know hardly anything about Verbal Assault except that they're a name that a lot of people mm-hmm. I know absolutely love. I also know that most of my my people, they always cite Trial. What about On as opposed to Trial? Oh, I love Trial, but, but On is just, I mean, it's the first one I heard. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And it also, like, Trial's a little more just melodic. Whereas by time like on came out, you could tell they were listening to Metallica. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it looks like um, when that come out, eighty six, eighty eighty nine. Uh, on on I came out eighty nine or ninety. Yeah. Okay, yeah, on came out in eighty nine. So it was pretty contemporary to, to the, you know, to the time mm-hmm. that he really first started going to shows and stuff. Did you get a chance yeah. to see them? No, no, no. I I think they came through, um, but I was, I mean, I didn't start going to shows till late 90s. I missed a lot of good shows by like a year or two. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, also kind of came in when the scene was on its downswing, which seems to be something I do often. Like I come to somewhere and like maybe the first few shows are amazing and then it just dies out from there. <laughs> So. You're like a plague bringer. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, yeah. So for someone like me, who's never listened to the band, and say if I was, would would you recommend On, or would you recommend Trial? Because it sounds to me like On is more of a personal thing. Would you still, you know, mm-hmm. you know, say hey, check this one out first before Trial or? Trial has faster songs. Uh-huh. Um. I mean, and it's a full-length LP. On's just a four-song EP. Right. So, um, I don't know. Personally, I think most people... It, it's funny you said that a lot of people prefer Trial. Um, most people I know seem to prefer On. But again, it's. I think it's partly an age group, all people around my age. So. Well, you're, you're my age, aren't you? I like 45, 46. I'm going to be 46 this year. Yeah. We're, we're essentially the same age. Yeah. I'm 48. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I mean, well, I mean, well, that's true. I mean, it's true now, but it mm-hmm. might not felt as true back in the. Yeah. Days, yeah. Yeah. And I would have seemed like a really old man to you, even though I might have only been, I was only 18 and 91. Yeah. <laughs> I would have seemed like a, an adult, possibly. Well, because I, well, I, you, I, you would have been someone that where like anyone who was older and willing to talk music and like the shows like like I would have 
saw you as a seasoned grizzled old dude yeah kind of like <laughs> it's sort of a weird thing that happens when you're a teenager i guess yeah i mean I, i've said it in a couple a couple times on the podcast and a couple other places too that you know there are bands that i look up to that made me want to really be in a band mm -hmm. and these cats are only two years older than i am mm -hmm. you know and back then mm -hmm. i was just like so yeah um all right, what's your favorite song on that? On 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 yeah. Anger Battery. On on. Yep. <laughs> Anger Battery.
so was it was this like one of your first punk bands punk hardcore bands or was this sort of like a little bit later on down the line well i mean so i was a metal kid and around i think around 88 89 like metal magazines started courting new york hardcore bands pretty hard mm-hmm. like do you remember that uh, magazine thrash metal i think cream did it yeah yeah um, i remember that one and although there was a later magazine called metal maniacs yeah they did there, that too there, yeah. there was one before that even called metal mania and they mm-hmm. actually had uh uh they had an issue called it was called an encyclopedia of thrash metal and yes. hardcore yeah and they had they would break up the season they would list they would do a bunch of bands mm-hmm. and say well these are the top 10 records from this area and yeah i distinctly remember that and that was right around the time you're talking about i think yeah yeah the first issue of thrash metal i i had it had a first of all it had a section it was like top 10 crossover records yeah and at the time like crossover wasn't a genre in the way that it is now so it was like literally like hardcore punk bands moving towards kind of more metallic leanings so i'm trying to remember some of the records on that sod made the top of the list but then there was uh my war by black flag um bone crusher by broken bones rock for light i I guess i could see that i mean dr no no could shred yeah but that's a stretch i mean yeah i mean he could outplay Mm -hmm. half the metal guitar players i've you know that i know so Mm -hmm. i mean i I get it but um yeah i mean so you went from you went from listening to metal the the so what you're is the crossover thing did that have a huge huge impact on you or was it just yeah well because the thing is is like i said i was a metal dude and like i think around that time it was like someone told me you know it was like by reading that magazine it was like oh punk's cool like it's not you know like it's not wimpy nerd shit or whatever you know so like i don't know i was probably 13 14 years old um that that was kind of cool to me um but yeah i was like i was a metal dude and the magazine started that again you know they had the section on crossover but they also interviewed af blast and did a feature on excel i think okay so like like all of that shit was like you know it was just crazy seeing all like being exposed to all these new bands and then college radio was a huge factor as well because there was a a metal show that played every friday night called whiplash and they would start dedicating like blocks of time just specifically to hardcore so i was hearing you know uh mostly it was the bigger bands you know like bad brains um black flag to a lesser extent and then like the bands that were all on like profile and and um in effect and and uh in combat and all those sorts of labels so so let's that that's a good entry point when we talk about uh live at cbgb Mm -hmm. uh, that agnostic front record um is that your favorite agnostic front record yeah because it's all the like classic songs Mm -hmm. like performed extremely well like metal precision but like still hardcore punk you know 
So, uh, yeah, the, that, and it was the first, again, I, I mean, it was the first one, uh, first agnostic front record I ever heard. And I think, like, the thing about that that was really cool to me at the time was, um, you know, live records, they, they have the opportunity of really showing the personality of a band. Mm-hmm. So not only was I hearing songs I liked, but it was like, oh, you know, shit that later I would much, you know, would very much eschew like the the um, Pledge of Allegiance at the beginning of the second side and shit like that. But like, or, or you know, this isn't a racist song. This is just the goddamn fucking truth. Like yeah, people, all the- people, people are trying to revise that era of agnostic front like it's mm-hmm. a fucking job. Yeah. You know? Um I I have older cousins, you know, I'm the mm-hmm. oldest of my my uh group of uh you know of my siblings and I have two older cousins who were there for the first wave of hardcore said all these mm-hmm. great records. And I, and the first thing I heard was Victim in Pain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, this is great." And as much as I loved metal, um boy i hate cause for alarm as an album i cannot stand it and the reason i bring that up is because live at cb's Mm -hmm. those songs work yeah better on that record than they did on the album that one two punch i I still don't care for those those songs as much Mm -hmm. in fact i really don't like them but when you couch them between all the classics from victim and pain, mm-hmm. yep. there, there's a continuity there that makes sense. Plus they had all those mm-hmm. people that were great players, like, you know, Steve Martin, Will mm-hmm. Shepler and Craig Satari are good players. You know? Yeah. So, yep. and, and Roger Murray is just, he's a great front man. I mean, it's just, <laughs> no, he is. He's yeah. Front man. Um, you know, but I, I, I just, you know, I I don't think of those guys as being racist or no, even be or even being right wing right wing lunkheads. But I think, you know, when you gotta get got a guy like Pete Steele writing songs for you, <laughs> you know, and I don't even know yep. what that I don't even really understand what that dude's trip is. Half the time, I think it's all just a troll. But it is it is I think it's a troll, and I say that as someone who I like carnivore. I don't. I certainly don't stand by the politics. And even if it's a troll, it's kind of fucked up, in my opinion. There, Well, it's funny because there are ways that you can satirize something mm-hmm. and it's super effective, you know, yeah. where somebody still might misunderstand it. But ultimately, if you explain somebody you're like, oh, you then you can see the satire. There's yeah. nothing satirical about nothing seemingly satirical or even intelligent <laughs> about some lyrics on that carnivore record. Yeah. Like retaliation specifically. Oh, um, race war. Oh yeah. man. Oof. It's like, it's just, it's monumentally stupid, but mm-hmm. it's, it's utterly frustrating because I like his vocals. I like the songwriting on that record. I Dude, love I love it. his bass tone. It's I, I so think good. the whole record sounds great. Do I 
my politics lean heavily progressive, you know, yeah. but I'm also not, and I hate using this uh, nomenclature because I don't want to give any credence to people who say this sort of thing. I'm not really into a cancel type thing necessarily. No. You know, well, and, I think, yeah. I, I think I'm more into the idea of using a little bit of critical thinking. Yeah. However, you know, if somebody tries to tell me, oh, Pete Steele wasn't a bigot, it's like, that's a hard sell, man. That is a no. fucking hard sell. At the very yeah. least, he was an asshole. <laughs> well, yeah, at the very least. At Where the very, very least, I yeah. Don't, I don't get that same feeling from the guys in AF. I don't know mm -hmm. what the Pledge of Allegiance thing was fucking about. Maybe it was just they were all fucking on drugs and just felt like that was something well, they should be doing. Like, there was like, I mean, they were, they were pandering to their crowd. I don't dude, know. It's dude, like, speaking on that, Warzone's another great example of that. Like, like they kind of like get really snugly with rock against communism. Like even, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird, you know, I don't, I just don't get, I think there's like a, and you know, these people were young people still. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I so we're, I, I'm trying to attribute some kind of logic to their thinking sometimes. And it's mm -hmm. just not there because they're super young. I mean, yeah. it, they weren't in their thirties. I mean, people no. forget that, the quote-unquote original punk rock bands mm -hmm. were older people. They weren't young yeah. kids the way the hardcore thing was. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's no excuse, but, you know, you kind of get in where you fit in sometimes and you're surrounded. Mm -hmm. It's like we were talking earlier about hardcore overall. Sometimes you're just surrounded by fucking knuckleheads, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I just... I like that record a lot. I like mm -hmm. Live at CB's. In fact, those are the only two AF records I do enjoy. Are Is Victim in Pain in that? In that one. I don't, mm -hmm. I can't. I don't give a fuck about anything they did after they broke up and then got back together and decided to kind of do, I don't know if always really a fair way to describe it. Street punk, maybe? Yeah. I, yeah, that shit's bad. I just think it's, I just think, and, I'm very happy for them, but I think it's astounding that they've made such mm -hmm. a long career off of the strength of one album. I mean, they, not... they might have sold way more records mm -hmm. of the other of the other records, mm -hmm. but ultimately, ultimately, it's victim and pain that they can, you know, really. That's what they hang their hat on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I I know that this is something that people you and my you. Our age would say, like, Cro-Mags had one record, you know, like, and they've made a career out of, out of, you know, Age Dude, of Coral. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they did. I think that they, they could have, you know, I like Best Wishes. I do. I like that. Record. I like the riffs. I, Harley's vocal, vocals kill it for me. Like, it's funny because when you listen to it, you can hear parts where it really works. Mm -hmm. But then when he starts over emoting, then it's like, mm -hmm. what are you doing? And I don't know what kind of treatment they put on the vocals. I don't like that. Mm -mm. But those riffs are killer. Yeah, and Paris, the, Paris the, can write. There are two songs I don't care for. I keep saying that there are two duds. There's actually really only one dud. Is it that it's, song, Age of Coral? The one? No, that's, no I like that song. Okay. The, the way that song builds... That, mm -hmm. I mean, the beginning's way too drawn out, but yeah, it builds and like those changes are nice. I'm talking about the only one, the ballad. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that song's pretty bad. 
<laughs> the music is fine. I think mm-hmm. something could have been done with that, but it's like a fucking love song. And I'm like, and that's fine. You're allowed to sing about whatever you want, but that's not what I, that's not what I'm there mm-hmm. for, you know, but yeah. they've, got, they've got good. But my point is, you know, if, if JJ had sang on that record, mm-hmm. they might've been able to have the two albums, you know, yeah. to really kind of do it. But, you know, that's such a frustrating band because for for anything embarrassing that mm-hmm. guys our age, my or your age might possibly do, mm-hmm. watching those two knuckleheads is embarrassing. <laughs> like well, I'm embarrassed for them. Yeah. And the thing is <laughs> at this point, like I would never say that Harley doesn't seem like a pompous dick, but like most of what he seems to his internet persona seems to be a hell of a lot more positive. Like John Joseph is just clearly kind of a carnival barker, you know, like, he's a con man. Yeah. He, I mean, and they both are in their own way, but I mm-hmm. think that, you know, for better or worse, Harley Flanagan's a musician. That's what he does for a living. Right. Yeah. Yeah. John, he's a great John drummer. Jo- John Joseph is, has always been trying to sell a brand. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, because he he from my understanding, I think I've I read somewhere I that he kind of he doesn't really even have rhythm. They kind of had to coach him yeah. through all the like all the parts on on Age of Coral. But uh, yeah, he's the con man. And I mean, I get it. Like, as I get older, I have my like DIY ethics aren't quite as out front as they were when I was in my twenties or even early Mm thirties, but like, I don't know, man, like he, he keeps, you know, it's like age of coral is, is just like the, like, he's just going to keep doing karaoke for that. Like, that's all it is at this point, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I mean, yeah, so both those bands have that in common for sure. They've got like the strength of one record that they've really mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, you know. And I'm gonna steer this in a completely different direction because <laughs> I want to talk about something that normally I'm not much into talking about simply mm-hmm. because I don't like the band. But the difference between this band and the Chromags or, or Agnostic Front is this band love them or hate them have a string of records they can hang their hats on and that mm-hmm. would be kiss yeah kiss is not up front kiss is not a band i care about but <laughs> but yeah i'm always interested to hear people talk about a man because mm-hmm. people love them and i i love that about them that people that people actually enjoy them and i'm not talking about like mm-hmm. the goofy people who are just you know they they like the two songs, right? It, yeah. You know, most of the people that I know that love Kiss, it's a very intense personal relationship with them. Oh music. yeah. And it's it's a very emotional sort of thing. And I I I can sit and say I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like that, mm-hmm. but I can never take that away from them, and I actually admire it quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it's t- I think for a lot of like people who got into hardcore punk, like Kiss was their first band. And in many, I mean, I'm, I'm 45, but then, you know, there's like people in their fifties and sixties now 
where Kiss was probably one of their first bands they really loved, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, you know, <clears throat> I was two years old, two, from what my mom tells me, I was two or three years old. We were walking through the supermarket past the magazine section, and I guess I saw, like, a 16 magazine with these, you know, freaks and makeup on the cover, and I was I was sold from that point on. Yeah. Um, so it's it's sort of a thing... And honestly, I think it affects, like, I still like showmanship. I don't like hokey showmanship, which Kiss is, without question, pretty hokey. <laughs> right. But, like, I I like showmanship. Like, I like seeing a band that's animated on stage versus some dudes just, you know, staring at you and standing still. So, right. Yeah, but I think the one thing that, I've always, at least the way my tastes run, is that they're not without they're not without a depth of talent, mm. right? And and this is what I mean. I'm thinking of two individuals in particular: Ace mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Paul. Yeah, is Paul. Not so much now, because I want to talk about that record he just put out. <laughs> yeah, I listened to that. I I was <laughs> I was not like. It's not good, but I wasn't like offended by it for no. for a for a Jewish dude from Queens like doing old soul standards. Well, I mean. and and it's <clears throat> but at one point that dude could fucking sing, mm -hmm. like you know. Yeah, my problem has always been like, you know, for me it's like the depth of song, the depth of the songwriting. You know, like mm -hmm. for me and and I like. You know, I like a cheesy guitar tune here and there too. Don't get me wrong, but I think, you know, when I first started really getting into music heavily, you mm -hmm. know, I was getting into Alice Cooper and Kiss at the same time. And I only yeah. bring I only bring those two up because, you know, Gene and Alice like to snipe at each other, right? Over who well, was first, and you know, and we all know who first, yeah. who was first. It was Alice, yeah. Right. <laughs> but or or one could argue Arthur Brown was first. Well, but. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but here's the difference: Alice might tell you that he got something from. That's the difference. Oh yeah, yeah. Al Alice yeah. will fess up. Alice is a very likable person, from at <laughs> well, least from that standpoint. And I, I think that also the biggest difference between the two, if if you really want to pick and choose. And again, I'm just talking a hypothetical bullshit mm -hmm. kind of thing. Nobody has to choose anything, and it's it's perfectly 100% fine if you love Kiss and hate Alice Cooper. I mm -hmm. might think you're crazy, but yeah, I don't judge people based on that. And oftentimes when you start talking about music, people lose sight of the fact that it's just fun. So anybody out there who's mm -hmm. going to get mad about what I say about Kiss, <laughs> fucking get over it. Al the Alice Cooper band was just a better fucking band. Oh yeah, Overall. better songs. The guitar yeah. playing was just as great as Aces. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the drumming was far and away better. Oh yeah. You know, Neil Smith's drumming is fucking absurd, and, and the mm -hmm. songwriting was just better. There was it was more, more mm -hmm. thought put into it. It was more, and I don't mean thought like overthinking a song. It still was mm -hmm. rock and roll, but. It was just, you know, um, it's like the difference between Transformers and GoBots. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, uh, Alice Cooper were the Transformers mm -hmm. and Kiss were the GoBots. I mean, well, and even the GoBots the worst... have their charm, mm -hmm. but, you know. Yeah. 
Well, Who doesn't even... like cop tour. <laughs> Damn, that's taking me back. Uh, <laughs> even the worst Cooper, Alice Cooper band record, which I guess, well, it depends. Some people might say it's um. Oh fuck, the first one. Uh, was it? For yeah, Pretties for you, which is a weird record, which in and of itself has its own charm. But a lot of people say, "Oh, I didn't like uh, Muscle of Love because that's a good Bob Ezrin." It is. Well, it has some clunkers, but like Hippo might be one of my favorite Alice Cooper band songs. Even the title track is fucking great. Oh it's yeah, a great song. <laughs>
and uh hard was it hard hard alice i think yeah that's the name of the song right yeah the yeah good song but what i like about kiss actually is that they rip off people and they're somehow such good salespeople that it's not a, like it doesn't occur to you like for example uh going blind off of hotter than hell like after the fact you you read things with genies like oh yeah i was just trying to rip off mountain in that i was trying to do theme for an imaginary western and that would have never oh, occurred to me but I, then when you no i've never even heard that that he said that yeah that's yeah. insane but if you think about it it's no it's it's right no i mean but i've <laughs> never uh... yeah i mean it's like and mm -hmm. i actually even like gene's vocals too mm -hmm. if, when they're used correctly you know yeah but i just um you know, if if you're gonna twist my arm, I do. There are moments on the first three records, and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I got it. You know. Well, that's the problem. They were uneven, like every single. Well, except "Dress to Kill." I think "Dress to Kill" was like because it was such a short record. All the songs were really good, but mm -hmm. like on on Kiss, there was songs where it's like, yeah, this song goes on way too fucking long, and you're trying to do way too much with with what you're what you have you know well with that being said why hotter than hell not dressed to kill because you picked hotter than hell um part uh, largely because it sounds like shit and it's so charming because of that <laughs> like it sounds like it was recorded in a toilet like yeah entire studio budget was was wasted on flying the band out to to los angeles to record in west hollywood getting them rooms getting them rental cars and then also the like photo shoot for that record like they basically had this crazy like coked up party with like you know like that became some some degree of a like uh orgy like they just i don't know like to me something about that record like in in and dress to kill is more consistent um mm -hmm. every, i i would say that i like every song on that record whereas like hotter than hell there's some songs i could do without but the good songs are really really good so like going blind the title track um strange ways which is an ace song it's really really heavy mm -hmm. like that's good um yeah well and, and kind of going back to them being such good salesmen hotter than hell paul stanley's like yeah i was just ripping off free on that like it's it's pretty much all right now oh okay yeah i've always kind of it was funny a buddy of mine asked me we were talking about kiss and i said you know kiss that one of the things i think about kiss is that you know they don't have the chops of the alice cooper band no no but, definitely not but but they also don't have the street level swagger of the New York dolls. Mm -mm. So they're kind of like this sort of weird in between thing, you know, because some, the, the yeah. primitive, the, the primitive nature of some of those songs harkens to a dolls like aesthetic, but not mm -hmm. really, but those 100%. I mean, the dolls were street kids. You know I mean? That, that, that's just, you know, it was a different thing, but I yeah. like, particularly on the first kiss album, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of stuff I'm like, you know, that could be, if you did it this way, that could be a dolls type thing, you know? Yeah. That, it's just a polished. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, so. um, 
and not even that polished. It's way more polished than dolls, but I mean, just, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not as, um, rambling or freewheeling as the dolls were, you know, because yeah, the dolls were more rolling stones, mm -hmm. you know, and in, in that sort of, that's by the, uh, freewheeling and rambling thing. That's what I mean by that. They have a swagger that the stones did. Yeah. Um, and, and none of them could do what David Johansson did. Like, no. No. they just couldn't like they couldn't do that and, i mean look paul stanley's clearly a better vocalist that's you know, i love the new mm -hmm. york dolls i love love mm -hmm. love the new york dolls but and i don't like kiss <laughs> paul stanley is clearly a better vocalist than david johansson yeah and you know? and and again you know and david johansson's just so much cooler like way you cooler know? way cooler so it's sort of cooler yeah you know so for me like you know just to kind of boil it down like kiss is a band that's important to me because i well we wouldn't be here talking if it wasn't for kiss in, right. in a way right. so like it's hugely important and i still listen to kiss records with some degree of regularity but like i also am there's no illusion to with me that they're the best band in the world they just aren't they're well they're and, businessmen and i think rock and roll i think that it, and that that's why you know particularly kiss mm -hmm. i have a very strong opinion about them but they're a band that i do try to not pull the trigger as quickly on because one mm -hmm. like i said paul stanley is a good singer ace yeah. is clearly a great guitar player but also yeah. because I know a lot of people who are very passionate about this band and, and it's super important to them, you know, mm -hmm. but if you were to tell me you felt the same way about Queens of the Stone Age, I'd be like, yeah, go get fucked. <laughs> I mean, well, that's not that's it's, it's different. It's apples and oranges like that. You know, I, I, I don't like to um, be too harsh about Kiss, even though I'm very opinionated mm -hmm. about them because um they do matter. Mm -hmm. They're important to people I know and people I don't know. And I, I recognize that there is a certain level of excellence in what they do that nobody mm -hmm. else has been able to replicate, you know? Well, and, and I would, and I will say real quick and I'll shut my mm -hmm. fucking mouth. Um, <laughs> I almost kind of enjoy that period when they quote unquote took off the makeup when they were probably mm -hmm. actually wearing more makeup than they did before. Yeah. Made them look young. <laughs> God. And but they look, that, they're such an ugly band. But that whole, <laughs> that whole, and they're not good records. And I know plenty mm -hmm. of Kiss fans who love Kiss that will, would look at me cross-eyed. Mm -hmm. But that whole animalize, uh, lick it up, lick yeah. it up era is, endlessly amusing to me like mm -hmm. i just think it's hysterical Lick it's it up. spinal tap -ish. heaven's on fire i'm like that yep. is great
right, that's the end of part one of my conversation with Rich Miles. Uh, Like I said earlier, uh, part two's up. Go check it out. Thanks for listening.